You're listening to the Hayek Program podcast. This podcast includes audio from lectures, interviews, and discussions from scholars and visitors of the F.A. Hayek Program for Advanced Study in Philosophy, Politics, and Economics at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. To learn more about the Hayek Program, visit hayek.mercatus.org. To learn about graduate student fellowship opportunities with the Mercatus Center at George Mason University, for students at Mason as well as at universities across the globe, please visit students.mercatus.org. Well, uh, it's a great pleasure to be here at George Mason. Uh, thank you very much, Pete, for, for the invitation. Uh, as, as Pete mentioned, my field is, is mechanism design, and, and for the, the non-economists here, let me just say uh, a word or two about what that is before getting on to the connection between mechanism design and, uh, and Hayek. Uh, I like to think of mechanism design as the, as the engineering part of, of economics, or the re- more accurately, the reverse engineering part. Uh, in a lot of economics, we look at existing economic institutions, and we're interested in predicting or explaining the outcomes that these, that these institutions generate. Uh, that's about 90%, I, I would guess, of, of what most economists do. But in, in mechanism design, we, we do just the opposite. We, we reverse the direction. We start by identifying outcomes we would like to achieve. Those are our goals. And then we work backwards to ask, could we conceivably design mechanisms, by which I mean a set of rules, uh, which would deliver those those outcomes? And uh, in some cases, uh, if the the answer is is yes, uh, uh, such mechanisms do exist, the mechanisms might be very familiar. it might turn out to be that the, the market mechanism is, is the best mechanism for, for attaining our goals. But in other, in other settings, uh, the, the answer might be some novel mechanism, such as William Vickery's second price auction, which, is, which has been central uh, for the FCC spectrum auctions, for example. Uh, Anyway, I would like to argue that Hayek was an important precursor to the modern theory of mechanism design. Uh, In fact, uh, Leo Hurwicz, who I think is generally acknowledged to be the father of mechanism design, explicitly mentioned Hayek as a formative political influence, Hurwicz grew up, economically speaking, uh, during the, the famous socialist planning controversy, the, the controversy between Hayek and Mises on the one hand and Longa and Lerner on the other. Um, and it, it was this controversy that, that, that stimulated uh, Hurwicz's own work. So, so just to uh, recall what uh, uh, Professor Kirzner has already 
has already uh, elaborated. In, in the planning controversy, Longa and Lerner said that, in principle, central planning should be able to replicate the outcomes of a free market, at least if, if the central planning is well designed. And more than that, perhaps central planning can even improve on the free market because it could correct market failures. Hayek and Mises stoutly denied that a centralized system, or for that matter, any other system, could ever approach the success of the free market, no matter how well designed. And there were two reasons in particular that I'd like to emphasize that Hayek gave for, for why the market cannot be improved on. First is an informational reason. Uh, the, the free market economizes on the information that needs to be exchanged and that individual agents, consumers and producers need to know. Any other mechanism is likely to require more information. And the, the other major reason Hayek gave was that the, um, the market mechanism is, is in line with individual agents' own interests. It gives them the freedom to choose for themselves. Other mechanisms are likely to conflict with individual incentives to use the the economics jargon, they are not incentive compatible. So, so let me elaborate on, on those ideas a bit, and in particular, uh, talk about how uh, Hayek's intuitive understanding of those ideas later got developed in the mechanism design literature. Let's take uh, information first. I, and I, for those of you who want to do a little reading, I have a, a quotation from uh, Hayek on the sense in which the, uh, the, the market mechanism economizes on, on information. Many years later, uh, Mountain Rider and also Jim Jordan formalized uh, Hayek's reasoning uh, to argue uh, that the market mechanism uh, requires, in, in effect, less information than any other uh, potentially successful uh, mechanism could ever do. So, so uh, I realize that that not all of you are economists. Uh, so I. I will talk you, talk you through the, the notation here. Uh, what, what Jordan does is to define the general idea of a mechanism. So, so imagine that we're in a setting where there, uh, there are some goods to be reallocated. Uh, and we, we want them to be reallocated so that people who, uh, uh, want good A, get good A, and people who want good B, get good B, uh, and, and so on. We want, a, we want an efficient allocation of 
these goods. Well, how, how, how might we do that? Uh, the, the general way we might do that is through a mechanism. A, a mechanism gives each agent, each consumer, uh, a message space. A message space is, is what the consumer uh, is allowed to communicate. Uh, in a market mechanism, for example, a, a communication might consist of making a demand for each of the various goods. Uh, a mechanism also consists of a message rule which describes the connection between what the agent knows, his preferences, prices, whatever else might be relevant, and what message he sends. And then the final element of a mechanism is the, the out, what's called the outcome function, which uh, determines what allocation of goods is actually made on the basis of the messages that uh, the consumers uh, uh, communicate. And so for a market mechanism, as I said, a message would be just how much a given consumer demands of each good. Uh, and the, uh, the message rule that I was describing would be a rule which says, well, what, what demands are, are best for me as consumer I? What, what demands maximize my utility uh, given uh, my income and given the prices that prevail. And then the outcome of a market mechanism is just the, the uh, reallocation of goods given uh, consumers' demands and the available supply. Well, if there are our goods, a consumer's message in a market mechanism will be R-dimensional. There'll be a demand for each good. Actually, uh, the demand will be uh, R minus one because uh, a consumer need only specify his demand for uh, R minus one goods. The, the demand for the remaining good will, can be uh, determined simply by the fact that uh, whatever income he has left over after uh, spending his money on R minus one goods must go for the remaining good. So it, it suffices to specify demand for R minus one goods. Uh, what the Mechanism design literature established what, what uh, Jim Jordan in particular showed that is that any mechanism that achieves an optimal allocation of resources must involve at least as much information transmission as the market mechanism. In other words, the dimension of the message space must be at least R minus one. And furthermore, the only mechanism which minimizes the amount of information 
is the market mechanism. So this, this I would view as the, as the uh, precise statement of the intuition that Hayek had many years previously. Let, let me move on to the uh, other issue, which is uh, incentives. And here's another quote from Hayek, uh, arguing that, uh, that the market mechanism allows individuals the greatest freedom to choose for themselves uh, what, uh, what is best for them. Uh, as I said, the, 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 the modern term for what Hayek was talking about is, is the idea that the mark, market mechanism is incentive compatible. It's compatible with individuals' own objectives. And Hayek, in this quotation that I have up at the top, is in effect saying that there are no other good mechanisms which are incentive compatible. Well, that too can be given a more precise formulation. Uh, and that's exactly what Peter Hammond did. Uh, what he showed is that if there's a large number of consumers, and, and the, the reason that you need a large number is to have sufficient competition among them, then any mechanism which, which leads to an efficient outcome, a Pareto optimal outcome, and is voluntary in the sense that consumers are willing to participate. They don't lose from participating in the, in the mechanism. The mechanism is individually rational. And, is also, and the mechanism is also incentive compatible in the sense that all consumers are maximizing their own objectives given the rules of the game, then the mechanism has to be the market mechanism. There is no other mechanism which, uh, which satisfies these three properties of efficiency, individual rationality, and incentive compatibility. Now, Hayek didn't go into great detail about what you do if the assumptions of Hammond's and Jordan's theorems don't hold. Ha Hammond and Jordan required, first of all, that there be a large number of agents so that there's no monopoly power, and that the goods being exchanged are private goods as opposed to public goods. Public goods are goods which, uh, once they exist for anyone, exist for everyone. That is, you cannot, no consumer can be excluded from consuming a public good once it exists. Uh, Hayek acknowledged uh, that um, that the market might not work so well for, in, in the case of monopoly or in the case of public goods. As far as we know, he didn't anticipate the modern mechanisms that have been developed to deal with monopoly and with public goods, in, in particular the, the Vickery second price auction uh, has been used to great effect for getting efficient allocations of goods when there are a limited number 
of buyers and when there are public goods at stake. As far as we know, Hayek didn't know about the second price auction, but, but he, he, he was certainly aware that uh, the, the, mar the market mechanism required modification in circumstances of monopoly and, uh, uh, and public goods. So all in all, I would say that uh, he had a uh, remarkably prescient understanding of some major uh, findings that were to come in, in mechanism design theory uh, long before uh, those, those findings were made precise. In fact, I, I would go so far to say that his influence made those findings possible, at least long before uh, they would otherwise have been discovered. And with that observation, let me thank you. Thank you. Dr. Eric Maskin delivered this lecture in October of 2014 at the 40 years after the Nobel event honoring F.A. Hayek and the influence of his research program. After his talk, Dr. Maskin sat down with Dr. Christopher Coyne to discuss his interest in economics, the state of the discipline, and the impact of Hayek and other mainline thinkers. We turn now to this interview for the remainder of the podcast. Okay, how, how did I get interested in economics? I, um, I got into it by accident. Uh, I was studying math. I was a math major in college, uh, liked math a lot, thought I would probably continue in that direction, but for some reason, um, I don't remember exactly why, I decided to sit in on an economics course. It was um, actually quite an advanced course being taught by Kenneth Arrow, one of the, the great economists of the 20th century. I didn't know at the time uh, who Arrow was, but uh, I found the class absolutely fascinating. Uh, it was, the name of the course was Information Economics, and it was a hodgepodge of all sorts of topics, basically whatever Arrow felt like talking about as he was walking over to the to the lecture room that day. Um, so there, were, there actually was some information theory, um, Shannon and, and, and that sort of stuff, but there was also uh, some mechanism design. Now mechanism design was, uh, which is the field I ended up in, uh, was so new at that point that it didn't even have a name, but I was exposed to some of the, the ideas uh, in the early development of mechanism design, in, in particular the work of Leo Hurwitz, and I thought that this was uh, an amazing field because it combined the, the rigor and the precision of math, but it was being used for a social purpose, an, an important social purpose. How, how can we understand the way an economic system works? What, what are the possible drawbacks with uh, market systems? What can we do uh, as, as far as patching up the, the flaws in those systems? Uh, I, I was hooked from, from that 
single course and I changed directions and I ended up doing a, a PhD with, with Ken Arrow. Um, but it, it really was just a matter of chance. If I hadn't taken that course, I uh, probably would have done something completely different. You touched on this in that answer, but I, I was um, hoping that you could go into a little more detail and provide a summary of what mechanism design theory is uh, for a non-academic uh, audience who may not be familiar with the concept or related concepts. So, so what is mechanism design? I, I like to think of it as the, the reverse engineering part of, of economics. You, usually what e economists do um, is to take existing economic institutions and predict what kinds of outcomes or explain the sorts of outcomes that those institutions generate. This is what's called the positive part of, of economics and it's probably about 90% of what the profession does. And it's a, it's a very worthwhile part of what the profession does. But I like the, the remaining 10% even more where we uh, reverse directions. So, so we start with the outcomes. We say, what if we wanted to generate uh, this particular kind of outcome, what, working backwards, what kind of institution could we design so that we would get to that outcome? Uh, to give a, a, a simple example, um, starting about 20 years ago, uh, the U.S. government and, and a lot of other governments around the world decided to privatize the radio spectrum, or at least a major part of the radio spectrum. And the reason was that it was inefficient for governments to hold on to, to this radio spectrum. Uh, it, it, it made more sense for telecom companies to have the spectrum to, to make use of, of uh, the new technology for cell phones and satellite TV and, and, and all sorts of other modern miracles. So what governments wanted to do was to uh, make sure that the, that the spectrum was allocated to the right telecom companies, in particular to the telecom companies that place the highest value on the spectrum. Uh, well, uh, that turn, turned out to be a mechanism design question. How, how do you ensure an efficient allocation of radio spectrum? And that led to the design of some uh, very high stakes auctions uh, it, and mechanism design people got involved in, in the design of those auctions. That is a classic example of where mechanism design can uh, help achieve goals uh, that uh, that are for the public good, but for which uh, ordinary markets may not suffice. Building on this, um, and just a point of clarification, what would you say has been the reaction in the economic profession to market design theory? As you, as you mentioned earlier, when you first got introduced to these ideas, it wasn't in, there was no notion of mechanism design theory the way we know it today as right. economists. 
So how have you seen that change over time? Has there been any um, resistance to it because it focuses on that 10% uh, that you mentioned earlier? So uh, mechanism design theory, I think, now has uh, achieved mainstreamness <laughs> in, the, uh, in the profession. Uh, almost any graduate theory sequence uh, in any PhD program uh, will include a unit on mechanism design. And just to give a, uh, a, a small indication of the arrival of uh, mechanism design as of last year, the Journal of Economic Literature, which gives uh, assigns a number to each uh, major area within economics, assigned uh, market design its own number. I want to come back to something you mentioned earlier, and that was the influence you talked about of uh, Kenneth Arrow on your, on your development. Can you say a few words about um, either either Arrow or other individuals that had a significant impact on your intellectual uh, evolution uh, throughout your your journey uh, as uh, starting out in economics all the way up to the present? So who who were the uh, the the people who who influenced me the most? Uh, my first teacher, and in some ways my most important teacher, was, was Kenneth Arrow. He, he was the one who introduced me to the subject, to, to economics uh, the, as, a, as a possible field of study, and, and, and then uh, directed my, uh, my PhD work, and even after. And the the particular um, idea that I picked up from Arrow in my, in my early studies and became a, a major theme of my work, but also work in mechanism design uh, more generally, is um, uh, incomplete information. So in uh, much of uh, classical, uh, economic theory, it was assumed that all agents, consumers, producers, uh, had uh, full information uh, about uh, not only uh, their own goals, but other, but other agents' goals as well. Uh, well, uh, for some purposes that's not uh, a bad uh, a bad assumption, uh, heroic though it may be, uh, but for uh, some purposes, particularly in the design of mechanisms, it can be a very bad assumption. And uh, Arrow was was instrumental in getting the profession to focus on the implications of incomplete information, and, and, and I, I learned that lesson from him. Uh, but quite early on, uh, Leo Hurwitch, who actually was a, a great friend of Arrow's and, and a collaborator of Arrow's, uh, entered the, the picture. Uh, Leo, I think it's fair to say, was the father of mechanism design. He, he was the one who um, 
first formalized Watts uh, terms such as mechanism and decentralization and uh, uh, efficiency of, uh, of a mechanism uh, might mean uh, in a precise sense. Uh, the, the, all these terms had been around uh, in, the, in the economics literature before Leo, but they had been used uh, in inconsistent ways. Uh, Leo uh, gave uh, rigorous definitions to all these terms and also used these definitions to establish the first important propositions in, in, in mechanism design theory. And so uh, I think he deserves the credit for, for creating the fields. Uh, and um, I was lucky enough to meet him early in, in my career. Um, he even got to write a paper with him. Uh, he was a, a tremendous influence on my own thinking. I want to move on and talk a little bit about the work of F.A. Hayek. And you, you mentioned something in that previous answer, which is a, a nice segue, which was the standard assumption of perfect and complete information yeah. as compared to incomplete information. Uh, and so, can you talk a little bit about um, what you see as, as Hayek's main contributions, both to economics in general, but it also related to that, if you want to focus on how you see it fitting in with, with your work on mechanism design theory, that might be an approach as well. Well, I, yeah, I, I would like to, uh, to say something about Hayek as a precursor of mechanism design theory. In fact, um, Leo Hurwitz himself cites Hayek as a major influence on, um, on his own, Hurwitz's Her thinking. Uh, Leo came to economics at the time of the famous planning controversy, which was uh, essentially a debate uh, between Hayek and Ludwig von Mises on, on the one hand, and uh, Abba Lerner uh, and uh, Oscar Lange uh, on the other. Uh, Lange and Lerner uh, maintained that a centrally planned economy, uh, properly done, could uh, replicate anything that a free market could do, and possibly do even better by correcting the market failures of a, of a free economy. Uh, Hayek and, and, and Mises took strong exception to that claim, and in particular, uh, Hayek articulated two reasons why uh, he, he believed that centrally planned eco economies could never do as well as, uh, as, a, as a free market, at least for, uh, for certain kinds of goods. Uh, and, and, and those two reasons were first limited information, uh, that a centrally 
planned economy would require too much information on the part of the planner, uh, uh, an overwhelming amount of information uh, in order to be able to replicate the market, whereas a, a, a market economy could rely on each agent, each consumer and producer, knowing relatively little. Basically, all that I need to know as a consumer is what the market prices are and what my uh, income is and what my preferences over the, the goods being sold in the market are. Rather, rather limited information. So, so uh, information was, was a key theme that Hayek uh, emphasized. And another key theme was um, the, the freedom of choice that a, that a market allows. Uh, we now call this incentive compatibility. Uh, incentive compatibility means that the mechanism, in this case the market mechanism, aligns well with the objectives of the agents uh, in, uh, in that system. Uh, whereas uh, centrally planned economies, because, in particular because uh, the, the central planners, benevolent though they may be, don't know what people's preferences are, find it difficult to make the system incentive compatible because they don't know what, what, uh, what agents' objectives even are. Uh, so th those two themes, uh, information and incentives, were, were there in Hayek and, and, and Hurwicz picked up on them. Uh, and it's, it's fair to say that many of the formal propositions that later came along in mechanism design were inspired by, the, uh, by Hayek's intuitive understanding of the uh, key roles that information and incentives play. So we, we spoke a little bit before about the influence of mechan mechanism design theory on the profession. Continuing with this point about Hayek, do you think Hayek's ideas on information, dispersed knowledge, and incentives have been readily accepted by the profession? Do you think they are aware of it, but it hasn't really been incorporated into much of economics? Or can you share your views on that? So, so ha have Hayek's ideas been been accepted by the profession? Um, in a, in an important sense, I think they have. I, I, I'm not sure that Hayek himself always gets the, 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 the credits, but uh, when we talk about the allocation of uh, resources for, for private goods, uh, and we talk about the efficiency of markets in getting an optimal allocation of those resources and those private goods, uh, which is, uh, which is a, a very well accepted idea. We are implicitly or explicitly relying on Hayek. He, he was the one who, uh, who in, a, in effect asserted that, that, uh, that the markets that, that, 
that the market mechanism is the, the best way of allocating private goods. Now, uh, Hayek was not so clear about what we should do in the case of public goods. Public goods are goods where once they exist, no one can be excluded from consuming them. And Hayek understood that there was a problem with markets providing public goods because uh, how do you get people who, who are consuming these goods to pay for them uh, if they're already available? So, so uh, he knew there was a problem. He didn't really uh, propose a solution. In fact, it, it, one of the major accomplishments of the mechanism design literature that came later was to propose solutions to, to that problem. But he, w he was aware of the problem, uh, and his awareness, I th again, I think, was inspirational to, uh, to people who came along later and worked on the problem, how, how do you provide public goods efficiently? Okay, so I want to, uh, one more question related to, to Hayek, which will follow nicely on the, on the last two um, answers that we were just discussing. So here at the Mercatus Center, we have something called the Hayek Program for the Advanced Study of, of Philosophy, Politics, and Economics, where we um, emphasize in our graduate economic education and undergraduate the ideas of, of Hayek and those associated um, with his work. And uh, our main focus is on teaching and research uh, related to the institutional arrangements for a free and prosperous society. Uh, so can you say a little bit about how you view Hayek's work um, related to the other things you, you've been discussing with different mechanism designs and, and institutional arrangements for understanding the foundations of a free society and how Hayek's work is important for that? Well, uh, how, how is Hayek's work important for, uh, for, uh, for a free society, a free and, a f and uh, workable society. Uh, I'd first come back to the, uh, to the themes that, that we were talking about before, uh, the, the, the fact that in any uh, real society, any real economy, uh, information uh, is dispersed so I know my preferences, you don't know my preferences, I don't know your preferences. Hayek uh, emphasized that in a, in a setting with, with dispersed and very limited information, uh, freedom uh, to choose what is best uh, for you as an individual uh, is, is, an, is an essential ingredient. Uh, but he also uh, made a strong case uh, against uh, concentrations of power. So, so uh, uh, he was a, a, a strong voice against uh, monopolies of economic power, of, of political power. Uh, probably his, his, his own uh, personal experience with uh, uh, political dictatorships had, had some role uh, 
in, uh, in, in making that such a, uh, a, a central theme in his, in his own writing. Uh, but uh, even, even today, uh, where the, uh, at, a, at a time when the, the dictatorships of, of Europe uh, no longer uh, exist, Hayek's writing uh, continues to, to remind us of, of, uh, of wide democratic governments and uh, economies without uh, too much centralization of, of market power are so important to, to getting a, uh, an economic and social outcome that is, uh, uh, that is good for us all. On this final question, I want to shift gears a little bit and, and get your thoughts on what you think are the biggest and most important issues in economics today. And, and there's two possible approaches. You can address both or either one, whatever, whatever you find interesting. One, on one uh, margin, we can talk about what do you think are the biggest or open issues in the economics profession, so in the discipline of economics. On the other hand, we might talk about what are the biggest issues from a public policy, public policy or, or current events type um, angle. So do you have any thoughts on either one of those or both of those? Let, let me mention uh, what I think is the, uh, the, the, the biggest public policy issue uh, in some sense that we've ever faced, uh, and, that's, uh, and that's the problem of, of climate change. Uh, we now know that uh, the uh, Earth's atmosphere has been uh, heating up. There is extremely good evidence that we are responsible for that and that if we uh, continue to do what we've been doing, which is emitting carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases. Down the road, uh, there's going to be a major shift in, um, in climate. This is not a problem that can be solved by the free market alone. I think, I think markets have to be an important part of the solution. But uh, coming back to our discussion of Hayek and public goods, Hayek recognized that public goods, in, in this case, reducing greenhouse gas emissions, are not likely to be provided efficiently uh, by, uh, by a free market system. There has to be something supplementing markets. And, and, uh, a major policy issue ahead is how do we get the countries of the world to come together and sign an enforceable international treaty to, to do something about this, uh, about this public good of, of uh, preventing catastrophic climate change. Thank you for listening to the Hayek Program podcast. To learn more about the research, scholars, and work of the Hayek Program, visit hayek.mercatus.org. For more information about graduate student fellowship opportunities for students at Mason as well as at universities across the globe, please visit students.mercatus.org. 
we hope you recommend students to our programs or consider applying yourself.